0: Hi, I'm Andy Bush, and you're listening to Through the Decades, a podcast that takes a nostalgic trip down memory lane with some of my favourite people. Each week, my guest and I will be starting in the 60s before going to the 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s, and back to the present day as they share their stories of how each decade has shaped their lives and made them what they are today. <laughs> episode I am joined by prolific author and all-round legend Dame Jacqueline Wilson. Welcome.
1: Hi, good to be here.
0: Great to have you here. Amazing to be time-travelling with you. Are you a nostalgic person overall?
1: Um, I am sometimes. Well, particularly because I've just written a book set in 1960 and I was very much around in the 1960s. It didn't make me think quite hard about what life was like then and it's particularly easy when you listen to music from the different decades it takes you right back <laughs> to well, where you were and what you were doing
0: that you're in the right place that's exactly what we're going to do we're going to begin our journey through time and start in the 1960s those black and white photos early color pictures of family albums that kind of thing what were the 60s like for you then Jacqueline
1: um they were rather strange I found most of the time the 60s seemed to be passing me by and I <laughs> I was just stuck at school, and um, then I did a secretarial course and thought, oh dear goodness, I don't want to be a secretary.
0: Is that the one we have to uh, have? Because my, my mum did that. You have to have a certain amount of words per minute. Is, yes. is that what it was? Very Touch scary. typing.
1: Very difficult. And you also taught ridiculous things like you must always learn how to brush the shoulders of your boss's coat. Oh, wow. And yes, you might be asked to buy a birthday card for the boss's wife. And even in those days, I mean, I don't think I'd even heard the word feminist, but I thought, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Let him do his own brushing. Um, but I was very lucky. I saw an advert in the London Evening Standard for teenage writers for a new magazine that was going to be launched the following year. Yeah. And I thought, why not give it a go? So I wrote them a story, a funny one.
0: Do you know what it was about?
1: (laughs) It was about a girl who was a bit of a wallflower to dance and all the different ploys you do, like waving at the drummer, pretending you're his girlfriend and stuff like that. (laughs) And you don't care at all that nobody else is asking you to dance. And um, I think it tickled them. And so this was DC Thompson's, who published kids' comics like The Beano and think they still do lots of women's magazines they certainly do children's magazines because they do publish the Jacqueline Wilson magazine so my career has come full circle but this meant going up to Dundee which is a lovely city but it's cold there (laughs) it's windy there and in those days simply because I had an English accent you had to work twice as hard to get anybody to like you yeah But I got myself a boyfriend, I got myself a whole crowd of girls to go round with because I lived in the Church of Scotland girls' hostel. Oh wow. Which was as fierce and weird as as you would imagine. I think
0: in bunk is this bunk beds, that kind of thing going on? It
1: was cubicles or dormitories and because there was no spare room at first for me the matron actually turned up the linen cupboard and squashed me in on a camp bed. So it was a very strange start to my independence. But um, we did, my little gang of girls and I used to go dancing to the Dundee Pally and the JM and everything. And um, I remember, I I lived in Kingston-upon-Thames before I went up to Dundee. And it was very much the suburbs, but because the the Beatles and and the whole hip music of the sixties had started happening. Everybody thought I was ultra cool, which I wasn't. <laughs> um but um they seemed to think that I knew how to do all the latest type of dancing which right. I quite like dancing so I didn't mind and um, it was all that sort of you know clicking your fingers and sort of bobbing around but not actually moving yeah. very much and the one time that we all became very uninhibited and sang along, and I'm certainly not going to do it now <laughs> um, was to baby love and that is a shameless plug for my new book because i've actually called it baby love
0: oh wow so in honor of that song
1: um technically speaking it came out a little after the book was set but i thought who cares
0: fantastic well i mean let's pick a song from the 60s that means something to you would you would you like to select that as your song i
1: would like to choose baby love yes please
0: and if people are listening to this they can do the clicking and they can along with it pointy the toes fantastic That was Baby Love, written by Holland Dozier Holland, performed by the Supremes and released by Stateside and AMI Recordings. Well, let's move from the uh, the suits of the 60s to the flares of the 70s. And let's just go back a little bit and and talk about your parents, Jacqueline. What what were they called and how did they meet?
1: My parents met during the war... My mother always appallingly said, didn't really fancy your father, but there weren't many good men around
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: And needless to say, their marriage wasn't really a, a, one of great love and romance. But in those days, you stuck together. Yep. I was their only child. And it was a bit odd because they were forever having rows. But I wasn't really a lonely child because I loved to sort of Sit in a corner and read. I was making up my own stories. Um, I, I was the sort of kid. I had friends. I wasn't a total Billy No mates. But I lived very much in my own head. Yeah. And I think, in a way, that was you know good training for for somebody who wants to be a writer. But what I wanted more than anything was to get a proper novel published. And as far as I can remember, it was the 70s yeah. where I first started getting my work into actual proper print. And how does
0: how, that feel, getting it, it in a book? It was
1: wonderful. The first time I saw one of my books in a bookshop, I couldn't believe it. It was just astonishing. I was actually shaking in the bookshop. And although I'd been sent my own copies, I was very tempted just to buy it. But then I thought, what if they actually <laughs> recognise the photo on the back as me and you know, how lame that would be? So I resisted. But no, I was thrilled a bit. However, I wasn't an overnight success. Um, you know, for years I would be writing. I started off with crime novels um, for adults and mm-hmm. then I did what I really wanted to do was write children's books and I wrote children's books um, I had my lovely daughter by this time I had married a policeman which wasn't really what I had in mind yeah. and I would always tell her stories but the one sort of story that she hated was anything with conflict or sadness in right and anybody who's read any of my books knows that yes you get conflict <laughs> you get sad bits as well as happy bits you know she liked these stories i found it fun to write them and then when she became very interested in the victorians we we used to write a story as if you know i would do one bit then she would do another these were lovely times but also they were very hard work because my ex-husband was very much of the old school where I did all the washing without a washing machine and the ironing and all the childcare. And I had this thing about shirts in that sometimes he would wear three different shirts a day. His police shirt, which had a starch collar on, which is Absolute hell to get <laughs> so that it looked all right. And a casual shirt, you know, these sort of t shirty things if you wanted to go and play golf. And then a, a sort of reasonably nice shirt if you wanted to go out with his mates. So, right. and, you know, I was the Josephine soap that actually had to wash them all and iron them all. I mean, well, it's it like seemed, a
0: Cinderella type thing, it, isn't it?
1: Totally. But this was the way it was in, in the sort of world we were living in. I mean, it's astonishing how quickly it's Changed and thank goodness.
0: No, absolutely sick of Ironing as well. That's for sure. I mean, you know, the seventies was an amazing decade for music. Is there a song from that decade that is a special place in your heart?
1: I was a huge Dory Previn fan. While I was slaving away, hand washing in the sink or whatever, I would I'd listen to Radio Caroline at oh, wow. that time, and I think that somebody had a crush on Dory Previn, and um, and so. I found out all about her music and then I bought all the LPs. And I think the, the signature tune is Mythical Kings and Iguanas. And I remember that, you know, my daughter would be standing on, on the stool beside me sort of playing with soap bubbles or something while I'd be washing, and we'd sing along to Dory, which was great. I have flown to star-stained heights on bent and battered wings. In search of mythical kings Mythical kings Sure
0: Beautiful, Mythical Kings and Iguanas, a song about regretful efforts of living spiritually and losing touch with human connection, written and performed by Dory Previn and released by EMI. We now jump into the 1980s, the world of the disco dance floor and so on. Do you you remember the first record you ever bought, Jacqueline?
1: The very (laughs) worst... Now, you see, that's the Freudian slip. (laughs) Because it was a worse record. (laughs) I didn't have a record player until I was 16, and i bought a most peculiar song which had a bit of yodeling in it called i remember you by i think frank ifield or something yeah why this appealed to me i have no idea but um <laughs> i did i did buy Oh, when Sergeant Pepper came out, I bought that with the yeah. lovely iconic Peter Blake collage on the front, and um, I didn't buy that many records though. Um, I, I listened to the radio, and um, but when in the eighties, I was really working very, very hard because I'd be writing magazine stories in the morning to make some money. And then I'd be writing a novel because I'd last been published and was trying to sort of build up a writing career for myself. I'd write them in the afternoon and I found it very soothing to have music in the background. Sometimes classical music, I didn't want music that was too insistent or, or the lyrics were too insistent. But yeah. I I became a fan of a modern classical composer called Philip Glass. And on his Songs for Swinging Lovers, there's one track called Freezing, um, sung by Linda Ronstadt uh-huh. and there were voices like angels I mean it's just beautiful but it's typical Philip Glass it's repetitive and it Quite fast, and it sounded exactly like my typewriter. I hadn't gone on to well. an Amstrad computer then. I I stuck to com- typewriters for many, many years. Did
0: you have one iconic typewriter that you used right the way through the early days? Do you days? know I
1: got through five different, most, mostly Remingtons. What, what
0: happens when a typewriter goes? What What, what is it? The keys go wrong, or oh,
1: um, it it just generally they lock or something goes wrong with it or just I see a fancy new model. I mean, I loved typewriters, though, because they did what... were told they didn't suddenly um you know decide to go into a different font all by themselves or disappear themselves or um you know do that awful sort of little judder as if error (laughs) (laughs) i i hate modern technology
0: in terms of a song then from the 80s would you like to go for the song that with the with the typewriter vibe in the background
1: yes i'd like to go for freezing sung by linda ronstadt (laughs)
0: Written by Philip Glass and Suzanne Vega Performed by Philip Glass and Linda Ronstadt And released via Portrait Well let's, uh, let's move into the 1990s Britpop called Britannia And, of course, Tracy Beaker. A huge decade for you. So am I right in saying that the 90s was when the the breakthrough book, The Adventures of Tracy Beaker, was first published?
1: Absolutely. And it certainly didn't do it any harm when it was adapted as a television series. And then it just went on and on and on. And, in fact, then there was the spin-off, The Dumping Ground, which is still going strong.
0: My daughter watches it. Oh, Oh, Yeah, it's amazing.
1: And then also now there's... Tracy Beaker, my mum Tracy Beaker, and then we are the Beaker girls, and that's been televised too. Yeah. So, I mean, Tracy has certainly been my lucky character. And in fact, sometimes, you know, if kids recognize me, Sometimes they don't say Jacqueline Wilson; they say Tracy Beaker. Tracy Beaker,
0: <laughs> which
1: is very odd. What's
0: it like? What's it like to be so synonymous with a character like that? Is it sometimes, you know, because you know, you do sometimes you speak to people who end up disliking a character because they've had such a long association with them and want to write them out of stories and stuff. I, I
1: can understand that, um, but Tracy has always. She seems to have had such a a strong personality that I haven't really found it irritating to write about. her. I just kind of let her take me over. I don't behave like her.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hasten to add. <laughs> but, um, no, she's fun to do. And in, in those days, I started to get heaps of fun letters, and I actually had the time to write back individually to each one. Wow. And often would draw a little picture of Tracy Beaker at the, at the top of the letter, and... Um, you know sort of wearing either her, her iconic little um jumper and skirt or i don't know if it was winter she might be wearing a duffel coat or something yeah. i'd I love to do this but then it became quite exhausting and difficult and i realized you know sadly i couldn't write back to every single child um i've learned i had to be a bit half-hearted when Generally around World Book Day, I think there's something in the school curriculum where you get a letter um, saying, all the children in my class were asked to write a persuasive letter or something. And you see teachers gently steer children towards writing to writers because they know that probably they'll get an answer. Yeah. Whereas if you go for, I don't know... a scientist or yeah. um, brain surgeon maybe they wouldn't have time to do it so yeah. you could always tell that the kids that really liked your books and took the trouble to write a, a, a proper letter yeah and the ones that just go, my teacher says I've got a right to you, <laughs> so I thought I would. <laughs> well, do you
0: know what? what I think is amazing about your work? Someone like myself, we are a blended family, so I've got a partner who's a step-mum to my eldest daughter. It's so nice not to have, you know, when you grow up with that kind of um, symmetry of, say, the Enid Blyton thing where everyone's got two, a boy and a girl, and mum and dad, being, t- you know, life isn't at all like that no. these days. So it's no. important to reflect that in, in I, what th- kids read. This
1: is what i thought was really important or even if you had the most untroubled family life and everything was fine i thought it would be interesting for children to read about other children who had different experiences yeah and i don't think i've ever had any complaints ever letters or emails from kids about situations and or the sort of subject matter that I deal with. I've had one or two complaints from parents or grandparents or whatever because I think some people want to protect children and, and make them feel that everything is fine, everything is, you know, good. And uh, goodness knows how people are coping with their kids at the moment. No, I bet, after I bet. We've had COVID to deal with and now the, the horrors of the Ukrainian war. I mean i think well maybe kids do really need comfort and reassurance in their stories at the moment but uh it's I mean, I mean, parents know best what their children will respond to and, you know, I'm not saying every child no. read Jacqueline Wilson.
0: No, but, you know, for me, in our, in our house, in term, just in terms of the TV, I feel a lot more comfortable with uh, Tracy Beaker on than do with, say, Topsy and Tim, which is all, everything's brilliant and fine and all. You know, so sometimes a bit yeah. of reality is a good thing. Well, let, let's get a song on from the 90s then, uh, Jacqueline. What would you like to hear and why? Well-
1: I split up from my husband then, well, actually, he went off with somebody else, and um, which is upsetting. But I became even more determined to really try hard with my books and do as many things as I could and make new friends and do different things. And I tried very, very hard. Not a lot of people knew about this because... Well, it's inappropriate really to, to tell children this, but um, certainly I've, I felt no, I just want to get through this. And so, inevitably, I've always been a Queen fan. I think I'll choose the show must go on. The show must go on.
0: The show must go on, one of Queen's most powerful and honest songs written by Brian May as Freddie was suffering from illness. The lyrics Inside my heart is breaking, my makeup may be flaking, but my smile still stays on, give a glimpse behind the scenes of what was to come for the final few months of Queen. The song was performed by Queen and released by Parlophone. Let's move to the noughties now, Jacqueline. The year 2000, the millennium. Were you, were you scared of the millennium bug? We were just talking earlier on about typewriters and you know where you are, but then we worried about something happening to all your files on your computer or anything like that? I
1: have rather wished it would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go back to the days of typewriters and things. No, I couldn't understand why people were so fussed about it. It didn't seem likely to happen. And um, I did. Quite interestingly, at that time, I was on my own and my daughter was on her own, sort of in between partners. So we met up Um, for the millennium. And we we had a fantastic time. We went to somebody's party up in London and we we had a sort of historic walk around London and had had a fantastic meal. And then we went to watch all the fireworks um, and looked very hard for the river of fire that we never saw. And I very much (laughs) doubt anybody did. But then, then we had to go back to Waterloo and there were queues thousands and thousands of people queuing and there were barriers up I think trains were running till three o'clock and there was no way anybody could get on and this this is probably the most terrible thing I've ever done but I thought I am too old just to stand and wait for the milk train in in the morning I really am I was exhausted yeah so I said to Emma it's a terrible thing to do but I'm going to climb over the barrier and I hope you will, too. Oh, my word. And she said, you can't, you can't do that. And, and you hurt yourself because it was really high. And I said, I'm going to. And I did. And so she amazing. had to. <laughs> have we got
0: on the train
1: and got home. There, I've confessed. It's
0: like someone out of the bill. <laughs> That's amazing. I absolutely love that. Uh, you know, and you mentioned your daughter there. Um, have you had a great relationship right the way through? Because you mentioned earlier on with the, the lovely thing with you guys writing stories together and collaborating. Have you always had a really strong bond with your daughter? I know sometimes people can fall out
1: i really have i mean she when she was a teenager she went through a slightly surly stage as they all do yeah. um but i know we've always been close and um you know if if i feel something's not going well um i you know i can phone her up and she will instantly understand and be reassuring that's the wonderful thing about when your your children are very very grown up um they do if you're lucky some of the reassuring and looking after you that you gave to yeah. them or their childhood which, which is just wonderful
0: yeah and, and your your books are famous for having strong female characters when you first started out writing do you feel there was a lack of strong female characters in literature or children's literature
1: that's partly true but also I don't know I've nothing against men or boys but I didn't have a brother, I didn't have an easy relationship with my dad. Um, I didn't have sons. I just feel slightly more on the wavelength of girls. Yep. I mean, I can write boys who are shy and bad at games, because I think that's the sort of, if I'd been a boy, that's the sort yeah. I, I would have been. I like to have boys but in my books. but. There's very few books that have been centred in on boys, but now we're all, you know, boys and girls, all the same sort of things, so I don't think it really matters.
0: That's a very good point, it's a very good point. Well, let's get a, a, a track on then from the noughties, the 2000s as a decade. Is there anyone in particular that stands out for you, Jacqueline?
1: Well, that's when I got my new lovely partner, Trish, and there were sort of complications at first. We didn't get together immediately, but Nora Jones um, sang Come Away With Me and unknown to each other we were both playing this song a lot (laughs) and it meant a lot to both of us so that's still our kind of signature tune all these many years later.
0: Come away with me in the night
1: Come away
0: with me and I will you saw Come away with me, written and performed by Nora Jones, released by Blue Note. A song about a romantic escape, where the only thing that matters is being together. Next up, uh, into the 2010s, uh, kind of a divisive time. The lead up to the Brexit vote. How did you feel waking up after that news was delivered?
1: Um, it was extraordinary. But a bit of a relief, because no matter what you wanted, at least it stopped the shilly-shallying. Although, I don't know. I mean, we seem to have been living in a a state of turmoil for so long, and things still aren't completely resolved. But each time we think, oh, well, at least we're getting through this disaster, and then another one happens, and another one. So, goodness knows. Um, Hopefully hopefully it builds up a bit of resilience.
0: Yeah.
1: But maybe not
0: do you, are you a social media person are you on facebook or or mm. twitter or instagram there are, or anything? there
1: are fans of jacqueline wilson on facebook and instagram but uh, jacqueline wilson herself is is quite um reluctant to take part i mean i can see the point of view that you only have to look at the the Bestsellers in, in the book charts to realize how important it is to yeah. have a really strong social media presence. The only trouble is, I've got a bit on the tooth now, literally. And so, that if I bobbed up on TikTok, <laughs> I could be amusing, <laughs> but I kind of feel you could be a little bit careful. You don't want to be have people look and go Ah, oh, bless or even <laughs> oh look at her sort of they sad old thing so i, th- I think it's easier if I stay away
0: I would love to see you bob up on TikTok I think it'd be a fantastic thing Jacqueline I mean obviously you know fellow author JK Rowling's obviously caused this storm that's still going on at the moment with her views on on gender etc is it sometimes better to just stay out of things you think you better is. yes <laughs> yeah. not going to argue with that one and then how do you how do you relax away from writing I, I read that you're a book collector as well I
1: have many many books I adore books I love books browsing in bookshops um i indulge myself buying really more or less any book i want it's so fantastic
0: where do you keep them all because um, I'm, I'm a big board game fan so i collect board uh, games but my other half katie will always say not an- you don't do you need another board game do you have that question put to you
1: well yes frequently and i'm bad at maths but even i can see that i haven't got time to read all the books that yeah. i've already bought but it doesn't stop me wanting more good and on you. more and uh i just just Love them.
0: Is there a book that you're searching for? I know some books are incredibly rare and all that kind of thing. Is there like a, is there like a holy grail?
1: The internet has kind of spoiled that tracking down thing because if it exists, there are so many sharp antiquarian and and secondhand bookshop dealers that you know show what they've got online and you know i get sent nice glossy catalogues from the more upmarket ones yeah so if it's around you can generally at a price buy it so and certainly so many of those wonderful old secondhand bookshops bit dusty all higgledy piggledy yeah and the joy of searching through and then finding
0: yes a treasure it is yeah. yes
1: um but it 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 doesn't really put me off, and, I mean, thank goodness there are still some bookshops that uh, are still going strong.
0: Well, let's get a a song from the 2010s, then, that has a special place in your heart, Jack. Then what would you like to hear and why?
1: Well, this is a really funny one, and I don't know whether you're going to let me have it as my choice, but there was an absolutely cracking stage adaptation of Hetty Feather, which I loved. It was... um, I have to admit that I went to it many times over because the joy of seeing the reaction to something, it was very sensitively and beautifully adapted by a woman who's now become a friend of mine, Emma Reeves, fantastic. And when kids' theatre happens, Often, it takes a while for everybody to find their seats or they might be buying ice cream or something. Yeah. And because there were some musicians um, who played little bits during the play, what they decided to do while people were um, taking their seats, they got Emma to give them some lyrics and they made up a song about me. Oh, wow. And, and it's called Jackie Jackie. <laughs> and I have checked in that I think you can still play it Amazing. Um, and it's by the band called themselves the Moon River Toy Company, which is very enterprising of them. And I, I think the the lovely producer rather hoped it might become a great hit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It's probably
1: sold about five copies so far.
0: Super. Well, with this, this is an amazing thing, a, a song about you written on the spot by a band.
1: Yeah, I, and, and it's very funny. I didn't know they were going to do it. And so when I went into the theatre for the umpteen time and they spotted me they suddenly started playing it and at first I just thought oh that's a catchy tune and and I listened to the lyrics that oh, my goodness they're the titles of my books
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the author equivalent of having your name chanted at a football game well isn't it
1: yes absolutely same kind of um, thing it, well it, it meant a great deal to me Jackie Jackie she's a daydreamer. hey Jackie Jackie she's a story queen she dreamed away and told
0: us what she'd seen Jackie 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 written and performed by the Moon River Toy Company released by the novel Theatre Company if you head online you can purchase that song with all the profits being shared amongst the NSPCC's Childline and Battersea Dogs and Cat's Home And then here we are, uh, Jacqueline, in the present day, the 2020s, you just mentioned earlier on about, you know, the reaction of going to see an adaptation of, you know, one of your works. As an author, what's the main way of of getting a sense of how you're doing, you know, because like if you, say if you're uh, in a band, you might hear your song playing on the radio or whatever. So for you, is it like seeing a book on a shelf or seeing someone reading one of your books on the train? What's the best kind of source of comeback that makes you feel good about what you're doing?
1: I've not only seen somebody reading my book on the train, I'm a bit nervous. I don't think I would say, hello, I wrote that. (laughs) But one time I'd done an event somewhere and I was a bit tired and sitting on the train and I was delighted to hear a mother reading to her two children. I couldn't see them, but they were behind me. And I thought, how nice, because you don't often hear a parent reading aloud to their children on a train. And so I started to listen too. And I thought, it's familiar, I know this story. And then I thought, you fool,
0: you wrote it. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) And then I thought, shall shall I peer around and say, you're enjoying it? But then I thought, no, no.
0: That must be amazing, though, to hear, you know, that being passed on to the next generation. It it was a
1: lovely, lovely feeling. And now, um, if I do events, and I I can't often, because of COVID, etc., do signings, but, you know, maybe that will change. Um, But the, the... Many books that I have seen, the paperbacks, are very tattered and they're ones that the mums or the very big sisters had had, had and now the children have inherited them, wow. which is a delight to me. The commercial side of me thinks, hmm, maybe <laughs> they shouldn't have made those paperbacks so durable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there
0: we go. A handed-on book, a passed-on book is such an amazing thing. <laughs> you know, you've achieved so much. Uh, do, you, do you feel like there's a certain amount of novels that people have got in them? Or do you think you just keep writing?
1: Well, I'm determined to carry on writing because I just couldn't bear to stop. And... I do know that Enid Blyton wrote over 600. Oh my word. Um, I'm certainly not going to write that many, but I would like to write a few more uh, if it's at all possible.
0: And is it? Well, absolutely. And is there a mad ambition that you have but you've never acted upon up until this time, like learning to fly a plane or uh, black belt in karate or anything like that that you, you haven't quite got to yet?
1: it was my ambition to move to the country though people thought oh, she's mad because i'm always very much a city kind of girl yeah. but i've lived in the country now for six years adore it i love uh, mucking around in old jeans and boots and um, i mean at the moment all the lambs are born and they are just fantastic and the the wildflowers are starting to come out which wildflowers are so wonderful if you've got a large garden because they do it all for themselves yeah so i think now i just want to carry on the way i am that that will do me
0: fantastic well let's uh, let's get a final song on then jacqueline from the present day that you would like to hear and why
1: well hopefully this will impress you because i'd like pink pantheresses just for me and it's because i actually um had her interviewing me would you believe for the face which has to be one of the most stylish magazines ever but they were they were going to do a big feature on her because she's won these awards and she's so absolutely you know the the face the voice of now yeah and um and she apparently had said that her songs were often about girls rather like Jacqueline Wilson characters and it turned out she'd read my books so the uh, chief editor of the face thought it might be a wheeze if if she interviewed me for the magazine and and so we had a wonderful conversation it lasted about an hour and a half over the phone um and i think it was only probably meant to last 15 minutes or so but i liked her enormously i think she's very talented and um, I am proud to yeah. say that I kind of know her now.
0: <laughs> amazing. Well, listen, we'll get that song on. Uh, it's been an honour to, to go through time with you uh, and it's, it must be an amazing feeling to have your books such a big part of so many people's lives and it's a continuing thing. It's an amazing thing being handed on to the next generation. Jacqueline Wilson, thank you so much for going through the decades.
1: Thank you. It's been a lovely experience. When you wipe your tears, do you wipe them just for me? That, need, need,
0: need, need, need. that was just for me. Written and performed by Pink Panthress, released by Parlophone. <laughs> there you have it another trip through the decades if you like any of the music you've heard absolute radio has a station for you starting from the 60s moving on through the 70s 80s 90s and so on if you head to our free app you can even get a station just for country music too i'd say it's worth the price but it's costing you nothing